You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Do, what, do we need an intro here, or is is that the intro? Did I just do the intro? You you just did the intro. Okay, yeah. very good. <laughs> All right, let's get in. What are we doing right now, Patrick? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a premiere we have today that I'm excited to share with the world. Mm. Uh, for those of you that may remember, uh, this is a band I tripped over uh, it's completely by accident. Uh, sort of a band camp, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, do you, what would you call that? A happy accident. And uh, really super impressed. And that was, what, two years ago, maybe? Yeah. And uh, since that time, they've just gotten better and better. Uh, I'm talking about Colonial Wound. And, and today, uh, yeah, we're offering what? What are we offering? What are we giving the people? Well, uh, Colonial Wound is debuting their first full length, titled Easy Laugh, coming out on Hex Records uh, December 9th on lpcd and digital a couple different color vinyl options uh, a limited die cut cover design for the first hundred copies kind of sick so you're gonna keep your eyes out for that i don't know when it goes up for pre-order i think very soon uh oh i think the pre-order is going to go up today so keep that up uh 11 15 that's the day right um this song is called altar of youth Kind of cool. Band shows it. They want you to hear it. Uh, a band that all three of us have been stoked on since they came to the table, which is kind of kind of uh, awesome. Wonderful band. Super great. Uh, hopefully they'll get out there tour a little bit more. They'll come up north to northeast. Love to see them. Yeah. Shout Let's out Colonial Wound and everybody. Shout, out, shout track, out Hex Records. Shout out, shout out Hex Wood. Records. Uh, this track is Altar of Youth off of Easy Laugh. Go order it today. Hex Records. Oh, 
Welcome to Axe to Grind, the hardcore podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. Most professional podcast in the game. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) The hardcore podcast. We spent uh, 48 minutes just chit-chatting. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yo, everybody. Yeah. Again, everybody. It's uh, the the professionalism here is is multi multi fold uh, because Mm. we try to do well on the air, but we also uh, we we, while still being honest, we dodge the more salacious shit because Uh uh, it's uh, a not our place to say, and b also because it's not really necessarily good for hardcore for uh, somebody to be. Dropping, dropping, you know, the truth bombs are fine. The truth nukes are not good. You know what I mean? There's got to be a, a moratorium on, on truth nukes. So uh, what do we, let's do some. How, uh, do the, how do the truth nukes feel, Tom, when when you, you can feel, you can feel it in the back of his throat going, I'm just in a different place on this from Patrick. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it makes me you, you felt it. You felt it on that last chat like, combo. He was, he was dying to be like, I'm just in a different place on this. Yeah, he's just, he's, you know, it's, di- I could feel it in now, his man. throat, and he held back. He held yeah. back because uh, he knew there was uh, there was some some triggered uh, emotional responses. Uh, you could tell, tell, like that was like him when he was like, "Yeah, I mean, I don't really see you know Christianity being that big of a thing in America." I'm like, "You don't live here anymore, you fucking dick." <laughs> <laughs> it was the same idea. It was just kind of like, you know what? I'm a different person now, man. I, you know. Uh, you know, I have to shake out my shoes to make sure there's no scorpions. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know, I well, we'll get into it. I went to a show last night. I had I was with some real Topeka people or real Perth people, as it is. Um, okay, let's do uh, ad let's reads. Do some ad reads. Ad reads. Uh, shout out and thank you to Deathwish Inc. Oh yeah. Shout out and thank you to Nugenics Total T. Oh, <laughs> shout out Nugenics. Shout out to my boy Frank Thomas, my my man Doug Flutie. <laughs> shout out and thanks. To to live a lie, Brian Bosworth. Shout out! She'll like it too. To Adam and Eve. Oh wow, we're really going in. Okay, uh, yeah, we're just uh, getting the, the the true the true depths of where we're going here. Okay, uh, yeah. A shout out to them all. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Close Casket Activities. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yes. Uh, shout out to uh, Burger King. Burger King. <laughs> you know what? I like the Burger Kings in the Singapore airport because I don't got to worry. Uh, you know, cheese is not popular in Asia, so I don't got to worry about uh, them putting it on my uh, my shit. Jesus so. Christ. Please put that on a drug church shirt. Cheese is not popular in Asia. And last, certainly not least, thanks and shout out to Run for Cover Records. Oh, yeah. We're going to skip over the king, uh, the couple, the total T. And our close personal friends, Deathwish, and to live a lie today to talk about closed casket activities and room for cover. Patrick, start us off at closedcasketactivities.com. Hit us with this read. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm up. Uh, On that pro <laughs> shit. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm, I'm real pro. So closed casket activities, uh, always staying busy, had uh, a little bit of an announcement uh, this past week. Is that correct? Oh, yes, they did. Now, what? Maybe you could tell me what record this is. Let's see. Um, well, Closed Casket Activities announced the uh, debut and uh, first release here for uh, with with Closed Casket uh, by the band Scalp from California. Um, this uh, f- is called Black Tar. 
LP coming uh, shipping as of January, which by the way, January is it's shipping January 15th. That is only two months from right now. That is wild. So uh, 2023 is creeping on us, people. Um, and uh, this is a heavy band who kind of finds themselves in that crosshairs of metal and hardcore, some power violence, definitely some death metal and some sludge in there. Um, and you may or may not know that they went and hit the pit recording studio with Taylor Young. Uh, I'm looking at the, they have excellent shirts. <laughs> I'll just say I approve of these shirts. Uh, approve of the shirts, approve of the visuals o- overall. Really, really dig it. Actually, I didn't. I did not know the dead dead body put a record out. I thought that was just a fucking uh, yes. <laughs> we talked about a it record on out. this podcast. Did yeah. we? Uh huh. Yes. On Close Casket Activities, dead fucking body, dead body. Yeah, put but- out a record, the Requiem. And the more interesting part about this is that apparently. Uh, Dead Body's Instagram is at Dead Fucking Body, and high school <laughs> football this. players are tagging the band. Like, here's a picture of me smashing someone into the yeah, ground. Like some dude laid out after a tackle. Yeah, and it's it's and tagged it's a like fucking. a person dead fucking body. So, uh, so they went viral. Yeah, kudos. I did not know. Yeah. I just didn't know there was a full record here. I, apparently, I'm not paying very good attention, or I'm just a. Oh, and it's selling well because uh, two of the very colors are gone. Well. Okay, well, all right. Now Shocking. it's become so, now it's become so, an ad read for Dead Body. Dead Body, get that scalp, get that. Um, yo, there's a lot on the close casket. Look, pulling back from the ad read, it's straight up impressive to see what Justin does with close casket activities. I think if you were someone aspiring to do a label, I don't care what you're into. It could be whatever. Literally, it could be the opposite of closed casket activities. You should look at what he does, how he does it, and the consistency and diversity of what he's doing. Because in the past handful of releases, we have Scalp, we have Dead Body, we have Fleshwater. You know what I mean? And these are all really different things. The intensive care record. Um it's just really cool. Uh, we're we're all lucky to have him as a, a friend and uh, supporter. But but even if he wasn't, even if he told us to go fuck off tomorrow, uh, it's straight up impressive what he's doing. And the Fleshwater record, it's already well into its second press. Oh yeah, they've already sold out a, a bunch of the second press. So um, yeah, pay attention to what he's doing. He does cool stuff. Likes cool music. Check it out. Also, pick up this uh, this dead body uh, twenty five color shirt. Uh, because it costs a fucking arm and a leg to to print. So, so, so go buy this Postcasketactivity.com, buy the expensive to make shirt because it was expensive to make. Only $25 for the shirt that uh, probably cost uh, 27 to make. So uh, <laughs> pick that pick that up. Um, okay. Well, Ready to go over to Run For Cover Records? Let's Run do for it. Dot com. Yo, another record that was released just this past week, Narrowhead Moments of Clarity. Go in, PK. Tom. Oh, this is me again. <laughs> okay. You. Yeah. You, you uh, dropped them off. Tom, is it safe to say that T- Patrick did a bad job on his scalp ad read? Yes. Are you? Are you what? Right. So, fuck. I'm, so pick, I'm throwing up. Le- uh, this is all hoops here. Hey, Bob literally was like, How about you talk about it? And you literally were able to turn around in three sentences and be like, Bob, how about you tell me about it? You know what? That's just good politics. You still. So, I, I so, okay, so it was the equivalent of Luka Doncic. Passing the ball to any other teammate, teammate dropping the ball, picking up and scrambling to pass it back to him, which is what you did. So we're good. We scored the basket. 
All right, listen. But, there's a new uh, narrowhead. There's a new narrowhead record. The uh, narrowhead for people that don't know. Uh, at their best, to me, they have some helmet elements. Uh, but the elements that people like uh, more than the elements that I like are uh, kind of uh, right in that alternative. Uh, let's say, what is that? Early two thousand Smashing Pumpkins influences uh, are present. I've only heard the the uh, singles. Uh, I think the first single is some of the strongest work that they've done. Uh, it is a lot of our listeners, uh, regardless of age are going to like this one, because if you're of a certain age, you're going to get the references and they're going to resonate with you. If you're younger than that, it'll sound pretty fresh. So there's no way to lose with this and it's worth checking out. Best ad read we've ever had. Tight. Incorrect. Can you, Tom, I want you to check this. Patrick, where is Narrowhead from? Uh, it's in Texas. I'm going to say Dallas. Oh, okay, Fort you got that. Worth. No, they're from Houston. Houston Fuck. Well, that's you know, okay. But you know what? You, you got they, Texas, they, and that was all I was looking for. They I was wish, just going to do. They things. wish they were from Dallas Fort Worth. It's better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, shout out to this. I I agree. I think it's somewhere between some of the more like alt leaning post hardcore of the early 2000s, and then the heavier post somewhere between Helmet and Rival Schools. You'll find Narrowhead, and uh, that doesn't yeah. make it quicksand. It makes it something else. Mm. So, mm. runforcoverrecords.com. Go get it. A couple limited versions left, but they're going fast. Oh, guys, how? Oh, well, you want to jump on my foot? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do another good ad read. Everybody, uh, go check out my Kickstarter if you are into oh, yes. uh, pornography. Uh, this. So this is adult. You, wait a this, minute. This, this is adult comics. It's called OnlyFans, Pat. Yeah, this is adult comics. Um, avert your eyes. Yeah, don't avert your eyes is uh, the project name. It is uh, years ago. Did a book called "There's Nothing There," horror book. Uh, it has its fans. Uh, the publisher came and said, "How would you feel about uh, going a little harder?" And uh, me and my co-creator Maria. Uh, uh, jumped at that uh, and we got some talent together and it is uh, just a really solid, uh, I would say high quality adult book, which is not something that you see a ton of. You see some adult books and no disrespect to them, uh, but I would like to add a little uh, quality control to actual smut. So this is- I have two questions. Yes. Is it actual porn? Well, it's a comic book, so well, it depends on your idea of porn. Illustrated. But, yeah, yeah, but there oh, is. So, I mean, that's like the thesis. Like, that's like the underlying. Well, okay. Let me say this. Um, the very. Like the Felix the Cat thing that they showed in. in uh, Fritz. Fritz. Um, so, so, was it Fritz the Cat that was the porn? Yeah. So, yeah. Felix is a different animal. Felix, Felix is also no, a cat. cat. He's cat. also a cat, but. Felix. Not a different animal. Not, well, this is different. So, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, books that do really well on Kickstarter, uh, are tease books, right? Books that have like buxom ladies and maybe some suggestion that there's some sex, but, but actual adult books, uh, I'm, I'm not saying I'm pioneering anything, but I'm saying that adult books were popular in comic book stores in the nineties and now they are not. So they've migrated to Kickstarter. I went a little hard and there is there there is penetration there is so for people that have concerns there's no like sexual violence or anything like that but it but it's uh it's just it, superheroes doing it not superheroes uh it's a horror book so there's horror elements but uh, it's there's also some 
you know, some some jizz, I guess, whatever. But it's a. Can I ask you a question? I have another course. question. Yeah, it's a business question. No, I like. I'm it. stepping all over your yeah, read. No, please. Love it. Love it. Explain this to me, because I, I don't. I haven't read a comic book since I was like a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I've bought yours and I've read yours, so that Thank doesn't you. really totally count. Sure, but that was more out of support. I wouldn't have Which like. I, I don't. I've I've been to like Forbidden Planet once. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! You know, very cool. Um. So if a public like so this is the in my head this is the equivalent of a label coming to you and being like hey you want to do like a, a heavy metal record and you're like cool and you're like and then they go all right cool go raise the money for it no how so, is this like no okay so different so, different, different beasts yeah, so that's yeah. actually a good question uh, so Kickstarter is being used in the way that Kickstarter asks that you do not use them which is as Got a f- fulfillment service. So yes. the the way that it works basically is uh, this publisher actually paid for everything uh, up front. So even if we do not, if we don't fulfill this goal, which we already which, did, which by the time, way it already has happened, yeah, yeah, right. Oh. But but it, but if we didn't fulfill it, this publisher would still be on the on the line for that monies. Uh, Kickstarter is just another avenue by which new people can discover your work because there are people that use it in the same way that people use uh, merch stores where they're like, oh, I didn't realize I needed uh, – I came for here for a terror shirt. I didn't realize I needed a scalp shirt. I'm going to purchase it. So th- there's that aspect, which is kind of like digital storefront uh, element that uh, is needed because comics don't necessarily have that. There's comicsology, but it's a disaster. Uh, so, uh, this is kind of, if you want physical product, this is kind of that place that you might trip over something you enjoy. Uh, and also the people that are really successful at this are, they kind of build a a community around it where they make the people, they make the people that back it feel like they're part of something. There's like Brian Polito has been very immensely successful with this. He just funded something for like, I don't know, fucking probably half a million dollars. Um, but, uh, at any rate, it's, it's just another way of doing things and circumventing the direct market, which is comic book stores, not because I want to or because this publisher wants to, but simply because this type a, of book is not yeah. really finding space on the shelf. Right. There, there's a lot of, um, you know, at one time it used to be uh, the Christians would come in and bitch at you. And now it's a, a, a different type of person that comes in and bitches at you. But there's always somebody that comes in and bitches at you. So basically, uh, <clears throat> this is a space where you can have this book ordered to your house. Uh, and you you don't have to walk into a comic book store and necessarily be like, hey, can I can I have the the one with the penetration and the, and the cum and the, you, you know what I mean? So th- there's that element, but there's also the element of it's just these books don't get racked very often anymore. They don't get shelved. So so uh, so yeah, just to go through that, um, just to cut it. Don't avert your eyes. Kickstarter. If you search Patrick Kinlan, Don't Avert Your Eyes Kickstarter, you will find it. Uh, I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, If you are looking for something that is adult entertainment with that edge to it, but that also is kind of an occult ritual, eyes wide shut kind of thing, (laughs) there you go. There you go. I, uh, Tom, the way I'll put it is this is everything Pat was saying about his own book is, is true. Um, this was something that as, as children, probably both Patrick and I were aware of, they had at comic book stores in the eighties and into the nineties for sure. But at some point that section just disappeared yeah. and that's okay. Like that's, it's just, you know, it is what it is. 
but um, it's I'm excited. I haven't read any of this. I'm excited that Patrick's trying this. I think it's kind of bold and weird, uh, but that's right up his his alley. So uh, everybody should check it out. If it sounds cur- if you're curious, go look at the website. Uh, subscribe to his newsletter. Do that. It's cool. Cool. Uh, all right, let's talk some hardcore. Patty how you doing? Wrong. How we feeling, guys? How we doing? We're good. Feeling I'm good. good. You want you want to hear a pit report? I went to a show last night. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, went to extortion at uh, the I guess the home of extortion. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, for people that don't know, extortion, uh, is one of the Australia bands that kind of penetrated the U S, uh, distro wise. Uh, you remember these records, correct? fellas. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Yep. They did. They did very well. Yeah. So faster th- stuff people. <laughs> yeah. So it's faster stuff, uh, aggressive. You could say, you know, for our listeners, if you, uh, if you liked the first regional justice center, uh, record, uh, th- for sure. you, you, you like extortion. Um, it is uh, definitely power violence leaning, if not power violence. Uh, yep. And uh, always had a cool look to them too. Cool name, cool look. Uh, I didn't realize the the guy that responsible for the look is the uh, singer. Uh, and uh, there's been a show or a venue in Perth. I'm just going to call it 208 because I don't know if it has a fucking name, but uh, it is is a house uh, that has been having shows for 20 years, 21 years. And um, went last night. Uh, the show was People Problem, which is a, a band that hadn't played for a few years. Uh, ve- very aggressive. Uh, uh, second band, I don't want to fuck up their name. I think it was Drowning Horse. Uh, total Doom. Uh one of those bands that like clearly cares about how they sound no matter what room they're in, you know? Mm, uh, yep. So uh, I thought I was not going to enjoy it because people were like, yeah, they play 15 minute doom songs. And I was like, mm. <laughs> but it was uh, actually really great. Uh, and then extortion uh, only got to hang for two songs because the room is, of, I would say less than 50 people max sort of room. Uh, and I was feeling a little bit anxious. Uh, so, uh, what I heard was fucking great. Uh, and the vibe was good. It was, they had just played a festival the night before, and this was kind of the, uh, for the heads, uh, sort of show in the place that, uh, the, the, the gentleman who brought me, uh, lost his virginity at this venue. So, uh, that's, uh, it should give you an idea of how, (laughs) how, how like storied a, a, a space this is, um, and it was fun. And I got to talk to some uh, real Perth people and uh, about uh, my life here in Australia. Uh, and we got people there that listen to us and uh, recognize me from the podcast and shout out to them. That's really nice. Uh, wow. So, uh, it, but it was, re- it was fun. It was like a you know, three-band show. Uh, started at, at uh, 7 p.m. on a Sunday and nobody went, nobody went long. Nobody, uh, kind of abused your time. It was, uh, Hey everybody, let's get into that house that we've had shows for so long and fucking play the show. That's cool. Dope. What's the, um, what do you call like a person from Perth? Oh, Perthian? Uh, per- I would call them a, per- a person, yeah. a, a, person. Per- a person. Yes. I would call them yeah. a person. Uh, Wikipedia always has the a uh, bad joke. You know, it's know, really good, really good, guys. It's nine twelve p.m. on a Sunday. Bad night. jokes. 
Uh, I'm, gonna look, I'm gonna look it up because I think Wikipedia actually tells you what the what, what what's that word called for what you call somebody it begins with a D, right? Um, uh, uh, yep, it is. Yes. <laughs> you're right. Uh, well, I'll look do, it up. Do, like New York, so while you're looking, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, like uh, 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 the we, we'll call they're, it. They're, they're, they're t- yes. their title. Um, so I have a question because you you brought up an interesting thing the the longstanding house the longstanding DIY venue mm-hmm. is this how many of these do we think exist I think they're endangered they're not extinct we can confirm not extinct are they endangered are they on the uh, you know protected list you know that's like one step up from endangered. Where are we at? We're in a post-MRR world, guys. <laughs> Does the DIY venue still hold that shrine aura like it did? And and how often do you come across them? And like, I'm talking longstanding. I'm talking the and and just to clarify, yeah, this could be Gilman Street. Yeah, this could be an art space. Yeah, this could be that VFW that just has always allowed shows for however long, and you can rely on it. It could be the house, like you were saying, this 208 spot. But how many are left? Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's some that I, I do not know, obviously. Oh, I mean, yes. And that's, that's, uh, the, the question is posed also to the audience, the listener, to think about their experience. So we're not going to get everybody's. We don't know all the cities and everything. But I think it's an interesting conversation to have and think about. Like, how many of these I mean, are left? Think. Like... So, uh, you guys are familiar with the Legion of Doom? Yep. Sure. In Columbus, Ohio. Yep. Still going, yep. by the way. Yep. So now, I literally played a show there 25 years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> in the basement of a house, random house in Columbus in a, in a college town. Wow. Now, yeah. Um, it was literally, it was two tours meeting up. It was Silent Majority, Indecision, Millhouse. Dillinger Escape Plan, Jesuit, and Botch in a basement. Right. That's cool. Right. Um, but now, th- I mean, think about how many people have come and gone from, you know, that lived in the, in the Legion of Doom. Oh, right. I mean, and like everyone rotation, you have to have some turnover spot. every year. Right, right. And right. you have to, but like everyone's got to be in agreement yeah. that this is the thing that we're going to continue. Like, I feel like house play like house shows like that or like venues like that. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's probably outlasted every club in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's nearly impossible for a house to be an ongoing thing because, you know, like um, one of the, the folks that do you remember that band inept? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's from true. Ohio. Uh, Scotty from inept booked that show. But like, I mean, he's like probably my age. Like, I don't know if I was 47 years old, I'd still be living in the same punk house. Well, and, no, and, you know, like, like first thing first, no shade. That's just different, different people choosing different lifestyles. You know what I mean? No, no I mean, he, I mean, he doesn't live there either. I'm just okay. I'm, no okay, shade, good, good, but good, I'm saying okay. like, there's no, cons- no, 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 he, he's moved, but I'm saying like, who's the, like the consistent person to make sure that that continues. I think that's like for them to still be going is incredible because I think it's so kind of transitory. I mean, think how many times you've moved. 
I, I, yeah, correct. Right. For, for anyone on this line, we've all moved a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you imagine being like you moving, but whoever takes your apartment or takes your house, you gotta be like, you're moving in here. The rent's X amount. There's going to be folks playing music in your basement, you know, any, anywhere between, you know, one and seven nights a week. Yeah. 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 That's nuts. That's nuts, and I think it's amazing. But I feel like that's a it's a lifestyle that's that a, right. right. I well, think so, that's so the thing that's, that's going away. Yeah, and and there's just uh, how do we do that? Like this conversation. Let, let's parse it a little bit because you took us on a little bit of a house show thing, and I want to talk about that for a minute. But then I want to get back to the like bigger umbrella of DIY spaces and the like long standing ones and which ones we can even come to because like. I thought of it because not long ago, I mean, it was like probably a year and a half or two years ago, I walked by where ABC No Rio was, and it's just a hole in the ground. It's been a hole in the ground for years now, you know? But I think there's still a sign that says we're coming We're coming back. Yeah, I mean, they says, it they says money it, to do that. It says it. We'll see. But it's been years, and, and you... Yo, I mean, Michael Jordan came back. He unretired, but there's that gap. This is going to be a gap, and we'll see what it's like when it comes back and if it can come back in the same form, which loops back to the house show. You're right. House shows existed in this netherworld, and like, by the way, I know there's still some places. I I believe there's a spot in Denver where there are house shows, but they're like in the interior of a house. So it's not like, oh, you go down to the basement. It's like, no, you go in, and it's sort of like they have a room that's inside the house that's sort of boxed in in this way that it's sort of not not soundproof, but it's private. You know what I mean? So you can't wow. – it's like it's not known totally. So they have all the like, hey, no hanging out outside, no loitering around here. You can go in the backyard, right. but you got – you know, all the fun house show stuff. I'm thinking about the place in Brooklyn. I won't mention the address, but it's uh-huh. known yep. by its address. Yep, and I think it's done. I think it's finally done. From Someone went to a show there like a week ago. Oh, okay. Well, then – I mean, I different – but I mean, everyone lives in different apartments. It probably isn't the 538, same. 538, right? Yeah, we yeah, don't I have don't to go beyond that. that, but yeah, yeah, but that's all right. There, but yeah, it's like, known. It's known in this space. Um, the there's these places, right? House shows. You're not wrong. There's an evolution of that, but they, I think, at times before now, they floated in this space of, well, people in hardcore know this place exists, and you know, there's the whole ask a punk, and maybe we can talk about that thing that happens. But now the visibility, the way these things get out there. We were having a conversation about how much visibility matters on videos and how much visibility on a video can help a band. Yo, let alone a venue. Someone sees a show is lit at this DIY spot. People want to go there. Yep. That Gulch right. House show, I bet if I lived an hour from there, I'd be like, yo, when's the next show happening there? It looked fun. Right. So, um, but now. But someone's going to fuck it up. And a landlord can search Google and go, wait, why is my address being tagged here? Oh, what is this? You know, oh, all of a sudden that you can it goes beyond the like noise complaint from a random neighbor. It's it's now like you have to be secretive and I don't know how that lasts. And then you add in the transitory nature of a house show and a house show space. You know what I mean? That's just some point somebody decides they're going to have a kid and they need everybody to move out. Yep. Or hey, we're all moving out. 
the main dude who booked shows here, that dude who used to book shows but's tired of it, and the dude who really did a great job, he's been gone for three years. So it's sort of this weird kind of like passing the baton energy, and that extends to all these DIY spaces. But but house shows are kind of really specifically, like there's a, a, a kind of movement, and it's like, okay, how long can this part par, like possibly last? And that's okay. Like to be honest, I'm a believer in finite items. I don't think that everything has to last forever. That's true. So, <laughs> but DIY spaces in general, I think we're seeing, um, we're seeing new ones pop up. But I can tell you, it's been a long time since there were consistent ones uh, in in New Jersey. You know, it's it's clubs. There's some bars. There's currently a church that that uh, a homie does some shows at, but it's it's the weird, yep, it's the weird church situation, and you know it's it's actually really cool. But you wonder about that. It, it it's only just started, but for a long time there was you know there was a break. Um, so I, I wonder about that, and I wonder for you guys how that how do you feel? Do you do you vibe on that? Do you care? Does it matter? Should anyone I mean, care? Two things. I have a question. Please. And just like a statement. All right. My statement as from either playing shows or going to shows to me, when I think of hardcore, there were very few like, like things that I remember more, more vividly and more um, positively than that feeling of like getting out of the car in the middle of fucking nowhere (laughs) and like walking up to the random you know, VFW hall, whatever. And like that door opening and you, for a second you hear music. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like one yeah. of my most favorite, like a club will never have that. Like that feeling of being like, I'm parked in the grass and I'm walking up <laughs> and there's people outside having a cigarette. Right. And like, I hope I have the right, you know, exact change. And, you know, and just hearing like the music in like the distance, there's no, there's almost nothing cooler to me in, in punk and hardcore than that. But so my question is, when it comes to stuff like this, do you think it, the the DIY venue struggles? Do you do you think it's it's partially to blame? The bands are partially to blame for this because people like if I know I'm going to be on the hook for for a chunk of change, I'd rather share some of that that risk with this venue that has, you know, Taylor Swift nights on Thursdays that'll oh. be able to, to take the hit rather than being like, I would love to, you know, have drug church play, you know, play the church in Asbury, but you know, they asked for like $30,000. Yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> I sure do. You know I mean? Like, I don't want to yeah. take the risk. I might be able to do that, but what if I don't? And then, you know, Pat's like walking me to the ATM. Right. No, I mean, there's always that fear, fear of a, a guy like Patrick grabbing your hand and be like, we're going for a walk. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. No, he puts his hand in his pocket like he's got a gun, but you know he doesn't. But yeah. like you have to play along because, you know. It's a fucking, it's a fucking peanut chew. Um, he's a, I was going to say <laughs> Snickers. Goldberg but, you know, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? I think, you know? I think that hurts because there's like – there's guarantees now that not right. every band – like in the 90s, early aughts, maybe late 90s at least, yeah. like, you know, Earth Crisis had a guarantee. Harvest didn't have a guarantee. Right. Oh, it's so funny because it was literally just like, like, yeah, Earth Crisis had a guarantee. Strife had a guarantee. But yo, right. Strife Victor had a guarantee had. and people, people made t-shirts dissing it. Like, like that's how, there was a strong feeling about that. Um, now, 
Yo, a significant portion of the bands that we talk about on this podcast have guarantees and have booking agents. Right. And you're not wrong. That risk aversion from both sides, right? Like, yo, um, Patrick, we'd like to pull you into the conversation for a second. Please. (laughs) Who's more likely to not have your money at the end of the night? The guy who works at the Live Nation venue or the incredible sweetheart kid who's booking at his local DIY spot, but he probably charged $5 too little and certainly wasn't good keeping that money and definitely let in all his friends for free. Yeah, Terry Terry Marshallot is uh, a, a wonderful, unreliable person. Right. And, and, and you know, that, that happens. And it's kind of a beautiful thing, but it also is like it's a tone and tenor of things. I, Tom, I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't think about that. It's so then you wonder, okay, so band X plays the DIY spot in, and let's just make up a place. Let's call it, um, Jamestown, Wyoming mm. plays Jamestown, Wyoming at the DIY cool spot. Some kids are there. It's pretty good, but maybe it didn't get promoted. Whatever weird circumstances, it's not quite as full as the promoter hoped it would be, so his math's not there, and the money's not right. So the next time that booking agent has his band, we'll call them Church Drugs, come Mm. through, the booking agent of Church Drugs is going to be like, you know, Terry Moshalot, super, super good guy. I liked emailing with him. He was really kind. He apologized about it. But I know Big Willie over at Live Nation Venue X in Cheyenne is going to get me my money. He's going to get these guys their money. So that's where the show goes. And how often do does that have to happen for a Jamestown, Wyoming made-up place scene uh, dry on the vine and disappear. Uh, it can certainly happen. Although, you know, a lot of times those places become, uh, the home of something like smaller touring acts, uh, that also really need shows. So a thing that we don't talk about very often on the, uh, on this is, um, that kind of, uh, aspiring pro core, you know, like where it's, uh, you, you're not quite at the level where you need an agent, but somebody, uh, some, somebody's acting in the capacity of an agent or you got your ear and is, uh, uh, doing it, whether they're in your pocket or they're not. Yeah. So, uh, that person, uh, in a lot of ways is fortunate. You know, we, we could hear dissenting opinions about how having an agent too young is a problem and how you present. And I I'd listen to all that, but I hate, I hate booking my own shows. So uh, to hell with it all. But I will say that, uh, the, the people that that's not an option currently or will never be an option simply because you play a style of hardcore. That is just, there's no saleability there. Nobody, you know, it's by nature, it's, it's small. Uh, or let's say that you're just very committed to the DIY value of not having a booking agent. Let's say you just hate fucking, I, I run into kids that don't have booking agents that most certainly should. You know what I mean? They just, it's how they choose to operate. They don't want to uh, give somebody else their money. There's a listener of this podcast who is, his band is most certainly missing out on a lot of fucking money because he's handling, <laughs> he's handling his business himself. And <clears throat> that's fine. That's his choice. But 
the, the, you know, let's say you're not there. Uh, the, the, there's still gotta be a place for you to play. And if that's the, uh, basement in, uh, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, you know what I mean? And, uh, it's a Thursday night. Uh, and you know, you know that Monday night, they're also going to have a show because that's where people, that's when people go to Fort Wayne, Indiana is not on Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday. Uh, look, that still gets you to the next spot and not for nothing. Those scenes are in their own ways, quite important. You know what I mean? So that that is the shit that I live on. That's the shit I love. Yeah. Um, So it's it's weird. You know, I, I think that's, so there's a weird discrepancy too, uh, and I don't want to step on it, but how how do you um, can you enjoy the pro core world while you're a uh, basement dude? Oh, you know well, what let, I mean. Let, let, rectifying let me, that. Th- th- this ties into a thing I wanted to celebrate last night. Uh, talking to somebody last night, they said, "Oh yeah, I jumped off the." Uh, uh, there's people, some people will know who I'm talking about. He said, uh, I remember 20 years ago, I jumped off the stairs here. I was the first stair, uh, stage diver, stair uh, dive, stair diver. Uh, I was wearing a, a rainbow onesie. Uh, and this was the, this was during the era where everybody was wearing, uh, uh black terror shirts. And I said, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't peg this for a black terror sh- shirt venue, you know, cause everybody I was around, it was an extortion show. So, so there was a lot of, Kind of at that time, it was black DS 13 shirts, and then well, you go to the club, and that's the black terror shirts. So that's what I thought, but that's and that's how it was in the United States. But as this person pointed out, because I, I said that, and they, and they said, No, 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 Perth is a small scene, everybody was welcome at this venue, you know what I mean? Like, is, is, so it was always open to every type of show, which in my view, in my view yeah. probably kept it alive for 20 years. <laughs> so as someone who, who, who has had the privilege to live in New Jersey, is which is weird. Yeah, that's which, what people say. Well, that's what everybody says. New Jersey and California is what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> Two places that I can't describe as small scenes. No. You know what I mean? New Jersey, ebb and flow, whatever, whatever. But it always is going to get a show. There's all, Or you can always go to New York. You can always go to Philadelphia, whatever, whatever. Not a small seed. And so you had the buckets. The buckets appear. The, oh, these are the kind of shows this person goes to. These are the kind of shows these, this person goes to. It isn't the Jamestown, Wyoming, yeah, I book a venue, but yeah, I fucking love Comeback Kid. You know what I mean? And I remember there was an incongruity to that when I started meeting more people where it's like, oh, yeah, this kid books garage shows in Fresno but it's not like dirt punk bands. It's whatever. You know what I mean? And you start to see, oh, there's a blending of these lines. And these lines are something I make up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You make them up yourself. And it's it's kind of awesome when you see that they don't strictly exist everywhere and that it doesn't have to exist <laughs> at all unless you want it to. And it kind of sucks yeah, if you yeah, want it to. Yeah, it's a privilege slash problem of big scenes. Correct. Correct. I mean, think about like, you know, stuff that happened in like New Brunswick or like, you know, like so much, you know, like it's, that was like a certain thing. Absolutely. And and it evolved and changed at different times. Yeah. Right. But then there were places down the shore that totally different group of people. I mean, yo, look, look, like, let me, let me, 
I move out of New Jersey in 2003, August 2003, in California. After I move, there was a shore scene, which is like Monmouth and Ocean County. Further south of that, that's like Philadelphia stuff. You know that all those kids would go to Philly shows and we're all part of that or not. And to be honest, pretty small scene or uh, in my awareness. No, no offense meant. Then you have the Edison scene, which is like Mongoloids kids, all this stuff. And there was a lot. There was this whole kind of like central North Jersey thing. Edison is probably 15 minutes from New Brunswick and New Brunswick had a completely separate thing going on at that time. It was just totally separate. There was interaction between those scenes, but they were separate things. And that's not even to go into the separation between, say, the New Brunswick or Stelton Church shows or any of the shows down at the shore and shows that were happening at some of the big clubs, the club shows, which drew a totally different audience that was sort of separate too. So you're totally right complete privilege thing and you can parallel it in other big scene places southern california there's a time when the coos cafe scene and the showcase theater scene were not different but then they start to feel different and then it's like well there's the coos thing and that goes off and and you know before that there were other diy venues and there's showcase the smell was oh the smell's been a long-standing one um and then there's the glass house. You know what I mean? And then it's like, well, right. if you're a glass house kid, the showcase feels like you're really on that underground shit. But if you're a showcase kid and you're into coos, you're all you're like, no, no, that's the underground shit. And if you're a coos kid, then you're like, no, nah, no. Nah, I saw sex vid at this abandoned uh, office space to play to 15 people in Costa Mesa. You know what I mean? Like there's all these different levels of it. But in reality, like you're just, you know, uh, there's just different thresholds. But to me, that DIY venue thing is kind of important because of a thing Patrick said, which is that like that level below the club. And I, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to come off the wrong way. There's, I love a lot of these bands who are playing clubs right now. I think it's, I just, that's kind of where. Hardcore is, it's booming, it's playing big spots, it's getting bigger money than a DIY space might be able to do a lot of times speaking. Shout out to the scenes that are not having to rely on that. But I I fear a place where the only venues are these big venues. The only venues are ones that have a bar that require it, that there are no all-ages options. And I think that's something we're starting to see that is on the endangered list. I think that's full on like you got it in some places and then there's other places where it doesn't exist. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. doesn't exist uh yeah you know i i I do think that there's probably i don't okay 
I think that the Live Nation AEG sort of, uh, uh, you know, the, the fear that a lot of people have uh, and other people have none, which I think is more alarming in some ways, but whatever. It's, uh, I think that some of it is overblown because it's the ship has to ride itself at some point. Right. Uh, I think that there's going to be a pushback. I think that there, you've talked about it before on this podcast. There is, we're going to see, they're not going to be long lived. They so rarely are, but uh, there's a lot of good bands that are not at the club level or, again, maybe don't want to drown on the club level because this is another thing, everybody, you might, somebody might book you, but if you know that you're worth fucking three tickets in that town, it's kind of better to play the basement. You know, like it's like, let's not waste everybody's fucking time and resources and have, I've played shows where they had a fucking lighting guy to have me play in front of fucking eight people. You know what I mean? Don't get one bite at that apple. You're not getting that next. Yes. Just play the fucking basement. And I get it. You get the, you take the shows that you, that you're offered. I get it. But I think that, uh, and look, we could talk about this. Uh, This is impacting my life right now. And people that are listening to this are going to know what I'm talking about soon as it's announced, but doing some planning, some big shows and uh, the other bands, every, every band has specifics, you know, things that matter to them about these venues. You just say it. It's Blink-182. Blink-182. The Drug Church Blink-182 shows. Yeah. They just have like, they, 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 they're like, no man, we're going to do Che. Yeah. The the Pensacola VFW is or bust. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 I think that there is going to be uh, venues for um, the and but it's it's rough to talk about because we don't want to call them the C tier bands because they're not C tier quality. No, they're just not. They're not. Perf- they're not no, no, playing no, no, those venues yet. That's it. It's, uh, whatever Maybe they're not career bands yet, or whatever. yeah, whatever. Or, or don't have aspirations to that. This right. Is, you right. know, like yo, there are bands. Yo. Uh, I think I've referenced the unlawful assembly stuff a few times on here. I hope everybody's checking it out. One of the bands innuendo is playing in New Brunswick tomorrow night at a basement. Yo, that's where they should be playing. That's a cool spot for them. Like I, Perfect. I am like, yeah, if they were playing uh, like fucking club cricket club. Yeah. You're right. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't, it'd be like, yo, that's weird. That's sort of sucks. Like what, what the hell is that? But they're playing a cool spot. I bet that show's going to be lit. If I can, as a, fucking adult father of two sneak off and go to that show i'm gonna go um but it is you're you're not wrong like so there's there's the bands who it's it would feel like like i said incongruous to be playing a large club if you're hardcore like the reality of hardcore is we're three jamokes on this show talking about bands that sometimes only you know another 150 dudes have heard before at this what, point, you know, and I don't say that disparaging. I say that like because hardcore is cool as shit like that. It is cool. It don't matter that the Spotify streams are, are 10 people monthly. I think this is great and I want to shout it out, you know. Sure. Um, but that doesn't mean that every band's going to go do fucking full club numbers. And that's not what hardcore is. And that's why the DOI, DIY weird art space shows are cool. I say this in, in like a sincere way. I made reference to that sex fit show. I thought sex fit was fine. They were cool, cool band. 
they they none of their records ever totally hit it out of the park for me, but I thought they were fine. I got to see them playing Costa Mesa in front of 15 people, and it was awesome. The way that you heard about them at the time, however, based on like selling uh, a 7-inch out of 500, but everybody was talking about this band. They were kind of hot. They were hip, etc. You would have thought they were going to play to 250 people. But that's just not what it is. It's 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 just not. And um, that's not to say that playing to fifteen to twenty to thirty people in this fucking tiny room was a disappointment. I don't think so. If if it was, they certainly didn't play like it, and it was awesome. And that's that's the energy. And Tom, you've talked about this from touring with Indecision way way back. That like yeah, you played a bunch of shows with Millhouse with Silent Majority. And you, you say Silent Majority, Indecision, Millhouse, you do that show tomorrow on Long Island, there's a thousand people there, you know what I mean? Like, it's a big show. And you're talking about, like, yeah, we'd, we'd roll up to a venue in, you know, Nowheresville and play to eight people. That's what happens. It's it's yeah, not like, play, yeah. you know, so I, I don't know. I, I just think if the, the DIY spaces go, it disables some things, and I, I, I fear that, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's something that's been chewing. That's how this is built. Right, right. That's how Black Flag did it. They didn't fucking go from club to club. Well, the they, part, you know they, I mean? they'd hit a club, but then it would be of like, course, oh, there's no club here. I think here. that's part and parcel. Right. You're not doing a fucking, other than ABC, like if you come into New York City, you play CBGB. Right. Or right. you play fucking whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and even, so two things with that. One thing, and Pat can probably talk to this as much as anybody. Sure. There's nothing worse in the world than showing up at a city and someone going, "Why the fuck are you guys playing here?" I don't want to hear it. Oh, it's, <laughs> like, yeah, you guys should play. Blah, 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 worst thing ever. Yeah, I, 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 think, I just I break out the the uh, the Bluetooth speaker boombox and just blast. I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I can't. It's brutal. To it's so brutal. It. It's it's so disheartening. But I think talking about places like CBs, even places like that are going away. Right? Like yeah. independent venues, right? Like yeah. everything is yeah. owned by a larger well, entity. Independent, you know, like, ven- independent venues yeah. that are proper venues. So what what we'll probably end up seeing is a lot more bars doing shows, which is it has its own problems because if you can't, yeah, if you have no separate venue space, then in many states it basically means that you you're you're a bar band now, and it's and hardcore because playing a bar. 19 drunks could punch each other in the face. They're not shutting down the bar. Mm-hmm. One hardcore kid gets in a fight with another one. You're never having a show there again. The bar in Schenectady where they've had like three shootings in the past five months. So yeah, yeah, they ain't closing, but like drug church that. plays there and there's a skirm, a mosh skirmish and you never hear him from it again. Yep. Uh, I mean, look, it's it's a precarious walk, right? Like this, uh, I've played venues where I've been really sad at the end of the night because I feel like the venue is in danger, you know, uh, and that that makes me anxious because I don't want, even though it wasn't my, I, I didn't destroy the fucking toilet, you know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't my fucking fault, but it still makes me sad because, uh, you know, those are the shows that you. Those are the shows that help uh, shape a person's uh, tastes as they gr- as they are young and are starting to grow up. Like we we all went to those shows, and it's uh, and Tom, you, it, your situation is actually interesting because uh, it, it, ABC is probably the the closest that 
that New York had for a long time until the Brooklyn thing started becoming more and more popular, you know? So, yeah. I mean, Long Island was never clubs. Like right. for, oh, I mean, right. sometimes like, right. BOD would play clubs, but like, you know, like silent majority, like mind of a matter, all those bands, they play like the Roxy or whatever on Long Island. But most of the time after probably like mid nineties, it was only spots that people found catering yep. halls and fucking, you know, like, yeah, the FW yeah. halls. There was yeah. that place, Free Space, out on the east end of Long Island that did like the, it was like a fully DIY spot. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I mean, that, that was my experience. But I mean, even in New York, even at New York's lowest points, yeah, like you can't really fucking have a DIY like a DIY venue, you know, until it's, it's, folks started moving into Brooklyn, like Manhattan. Other than it's pretty difficult to find like, a place. Like, like we're literally talking about C squat, which is a specific kind of thing. Right. And like, like ABC was created as this odd art space. Cause somebody scratched the thought together to make it what it was. And even that it was, it was, you know, uh, I don't know the ins and outs of ABC no Rio. It seemed like it was always on life support. Like uh, there were always the, Hey, things are going to fall and apart I, here. And I actually I forgot uh, I forgot uh, uh, C squat that counts. But I will. But I will also say that uh, as a guy who uh, lived in New York for for on and off for years, uh, it didn't have the most welcoming vibe. <laughs> no, no, no it's, like, it's yeah, a very. You weren't yes. having fucking you know hardcore bands there necessarily. It was a lot of um, no. more punkish, right? Like yeah. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. where like tribes of Nurot would play or something, like or whatever the fuck. Yeah, but I sure. think cause I remember them playing there. That's the only reason I can think of that. I think you know, for our out of out of New York or out of you know out of our area, folks, like ABC in Rio is legitimately like the poster child of the place that should have gone away. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is like an old arts, like an old crappy art space. Like the floor was like the falling apart. It's a fucking nightmare. It's like literally, it's it's a scary place to see a show, not because who's attending, but you think you're going to end up in the basement. That's right. Because everything sucks. But like now on either side of those places are like sneaker boutiques that they have to buzz yeah. you in and buzz you out of. Yep. Yes. So like the fact that that place is even thought about still existing is insane because it's like – that's a place that gentrification should have wiped off the map that would have wiped off the map 20 years ago. Yep. And they managed to make it last. So I, I, this is, this wasn't to kind of totally just trip on, on, on us nostalgia about this stuff, but there's a uh, Tom, what you said about that moment of when you walk to a venue and the door opens and you just hear music for a minute and it closes. It's like, that is fucking magic, and I don't. It's crisp. That, it's fall. Yeah, it's yo, it's it doesn't. It's not. I don't. I get that from VFWs. I get that from DIY spaces. I never got that from a club. I never got and that. I can from walk up to the garden and feeling like, oh man, no, it's fucking awesome. I remember like when, what the we. I had that. I got that feeling at that one step closer show. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great example. So, so that's was at a fire hall that the f- kids and no one step closer found to do the record release show at. And it was packed, and it was just that magic feeling of when when a place. And I don't know, maybe it's it's like how do we differentiate this? It's a spot. I, I like you. You called it a spot, Tom, and I think that's real. It's a spot someone found, and the best spots are a place that people can find. I mean, there were a few. I, I we were lucky, and uh, shout out to dudes like Ian Adams, Ian Nolan, who uh, who 
did the work and he had a spot here, Brick Moose, and then they found uh, the Brick Fire spot, um, Brick EMS. And before that, we had the uh, Adams VFW, Adams Road VFW Hall. And What about the Log Cabin? Log Cabin still there. They, now, just don't, they did one show. Long story short, it is, uh, and this is super local for everybody, but it is Sorry, a, but Kelly Ryan oh, it's a community. Like, it's a community. Shows there. Shark Attack's played there. Like a ton of stuff. I mean, Justice has played there. I mean, there's been all sorts of crazy stuff went through there. Um, Have Hearts played there. I mean, it was, it was a cool It's a spot. famous place for our yeah. neighbor, for our um, area. It yeah. is a community um, center in the middle of a neighborhood in uh, Tom's River, Manchester area. Um, that someone's, you know, uh, relative had some say so, and they were able to book shows there, and they rented out like a hall because they, their relative was familiar with the group of people and the kids who did it, and this and that, and, and they're nice like, kids, yeah, you know, yeah, and and was like, oh, they, and they all drugs. clean up, they they all clean up afterwards, and yeah, they might be rowdy, but this is cool, and they try not to break things, and if they do, they pay for it, and that's just what it is. Um, I bemoan. I, 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 you know, uh, eagle with the turn, turning his head, crying. If we're losing those spots, and I, if, for those of you in scenes that have them, I'm looking at a spot like Denver, where it seems like they have more than one. Um, I'm looking at some of the. I'm looking at Fort Fort Wayne. That's that's the one in Indiana that you okay. shouted out, Gray, and all those guys. Yep. Shout out to what they do because I love their energy there with that. It's become it, a place to go to now. Yep. Right. That's right. the way that works for sure. A uh, shout out to the, the, the folks down in Hattiesburg, uh, Mississippi, the MS paint people who were, who have some spot down there where shows are happening. Yo, Boise. I, Boise on top. They got the range. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they found that spot, that new spot, that spot. So, uh, this is our call. If you or someone, you know, is involved in a DIY spot. Um, shout out from the mountaintops. Don't don't take it for granted. If you go to a spot you appreciate, see if you can volunteer or help or do something. Um, it changes lives. Like I, I don't think if I had started going to hardcore shows and it was only at clubs, and that was my experience, I don't think I would have made it far. Yeah, I mean, if my hardcore experience was Lemoore's. Right. Only? Like exclusively. Right, right. Ah, man, I'd be like a fucking investment banker. Yep. Well, that that sounds all right, though. Uh, Think about this. You had had QE2, right? Yep. Which was like a club, but it was like, felt like a DIY. It felt like you were in some weird spot. Certainly about, And then you think about it that Albany was one of those spots that, (laughs) despite the fact that we joke, had the luxury of having a split scene where there was at least two different scenes. Sure. And so you had to be aware of like, yeah, there's these shows that are happening in weird, you know, VFW halls and water elite and basements all over the place. You know what I mean? Like you were going to those two. Uh, and, and so having that split experience, being able to see the club and then also see, Hey, this exists also outside of this format. I, I, I hope that, the new audience who might be shuffling in from wherever, whether it's pop punk or fucking turnstile or fucking whatever worlds are discovering hardcore, however they discover it, get to experience the shit that we're talking about. That door opening to like a Masonic hall and a bunch of kids and heat pouring out of the door and you hear yeah. crazy sound like, yo, that's so cool. It's cool. As are, we, are we 
are we resurrecting book your own fucking life or what? <laughs> I'm ready to go, fellas. Let's do this. Does <laughs> no, that even still exist? Ourselves up. Um, it exist. No, but some, some version of it does. Some There's some version of it. I mean, that was a fucking godsend. Like, before the internet became as ubiquitous as it is. Yeah. Like, folks, there was a book speaking to like everyone who's probably under 40 at this point. Yeah, I, I think anyone under under 38 for sure and if you're under 42 but you just weren't paying attention much in those first five years you could literally book a full united states tour and Canada allegedly too. yeah go on from <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean you might be like playing someone's house and not like playing just for them yeah but like people would like put their information in and like you could legitimately like route your own tour like yeah. using this book and it'd be like, you know, call, you know, call Bob after 6.30 on Thursdays. Yes, and- right, right. If, if yeah. his mother picks up, hang up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like literally, and I, I was explaining this to my son, telling him how like, yeah, when you wanted to call your friends, you'd call their house. Um, and if they were cool. And hopefully they'd be there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hi, mister, whatever. It's Bob. Is Jimmy there? Uh, you know, um, and if they were really cool, they had they had their own line. And I was like, "Yo, that was." They either had some money, or they just like really worked that angle, had that teen line. And I was like, "I didn't get this conversation. He's too too young." But think about that fear of calling a girl and having to call their parents' house. Oh, yeah. Yo, people don't have to deal with that now. What are we talking about? Oh, or my like yeah, living and be like, I have to like walk around the corner. Hopefully, this like the cord will stretch far enough. Yeah, yeah. That'll so like my whole family doesn't hear me trying to like oh. ask this like person yeah, on a date or something seem cool yeah no uh, when when my family got the cordless phone the cordless house phone game I changer game changer game changer all right but <laughs> but yo so these guys like you were saying the book your own fucking life uh it would like basically break it down like oh there's a few people in in uh pawtucket that book shows bill books noise and grind shows but if you play fast youth x crew hardcore uh, hit up tim and here's his you know and it's it was it was a way that literally a band who was on nothing you don't have a band camp you can just say hey we sort of right. sound like this could you book us a show we're going on tour we're trying to do this and you'd have a contact and that's uh a really it was incredible yeah um patrick you were in an unsuccessful band for a very long time but you did tour oh yeah can you talk about the early days of end of year? Because before I had ever even heard your band, you had done full U.S. tours. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's more extreme versions of that, obviously. Like, shout out to uh, Max Vick, who I met uh, when he was like 17, touring Europe on a demo. So, so he's, and that's what, that's why he's a booking agent today, most likely, is because his aptitude uh, wasn't for being. Uh, musical his band sucked but for uh <laughs> be, being uh good at Sorry, good, good, good at getting people on the phone you know um so uh and certainly we saw what's the goddamn phil uh i think they're a philadelphia band um uh fell in cold uh, from cold cuts uh cdc uh, cdc thank you very much um the uh cdc was everywhere on less music than uh, you know, you find in a fu- fucking Six Flags commercial jingle. You know what I mean? Like th- there was no fucking music there, and they were 
at still everywhere. And there's just, you know, some people just have it like that where they can really get on the phone with somebody and say, Hey, I think I deserve to play your town. Here's why. And blah, blah, blah. And, and I was never good at that at all, at all. And, uh, it was, you know, when we went out at first, uh, in end of a year, it was a lot of, uh, uh, Mike from the band at, the, at that time, uh, it was his screamo contacts was a lot of the people. So we ended up mm-hmm. playing like when we talk about places like, uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, most people are talking about Richmond, Virginia down to nothing. I'm talking right. about, uh, Richmond, Virginia, you know, like, uh, wow owls, you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Like, I'm talking about a different basement thing. Show, like fully basement, fully basement shows. show, right. you know, fully basement, <clears throat> completely separate scene. And, and, uh, you know, I make fun of Screamo cause I don't like the music, but shout out to Screamo for like hosting us for a lot of years and like making it so that we could tour. And, uh, you know, I, Honestly, like those those shows and that experience, if anybody likes what I do today, it's because I I became good at it through ten thousand hours of playing in front of eleven people. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And that's and that's right. what it, that's what it was. So like, you know, I I, uh, I won't so say Tom, that's kind of like the, that's like the secret of the the thing. Like, I I I heard. Pat's band just off a split seven inch recommendation. It was like, Oh, this is really good. And then I kind of came to find out, Oh wait, like the recordings prior to that mm, hit or miss, you know, whatever, but that's, that's subjective. Um, I'm being nice. Uh, but, but they had already done the thing and they had been doing it and were really good live, like really good. Like, exemplary even for a band that not as many people had heard of as should because they had done the hours and it was like oh clearly this band's going to do something that's notable like like this is going to be cool um and that was the that was the you know formula that i had put together to go to basically you know force some hands to make the revelation signing happen because i was like no 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 you guys don't understand this band's gonna be awesome it's great like this is it, gonna might t- it might take 20 years but the uh maybe but it, but it did so so that's but i think that's true though like this idea of like hey uh we started playing shows and they were to no one and and but we kept getting better and better I, i'm sure patrick you would not totally want anyone to judge you based on your first you know year of live performances there but you wouldn't be embarrassed about it because you go yeah but now watch me now yeah i mean look like it's uh you only get good at a thing most people some people are very gifted but most people uh only get good at a thing through practice and uh if you're as bad at if you're as bad at music as i am requires a lot of practice and it uh but you do that through those shows and honestly like a, a, a you know a younger not younger people, but younger band, I guess, uh, asked me recently, uh, do you ever get nervous, uh, going on stage? And I said, no, (laughs) the reason is not because of, uh, the failures that I've had at at big festivals in front of thousands of people, but because Mm. I've played, I've played shows with dog shit on the floor. 
You know what I mean? It's like it, there's nothing more awkward than singing to three people. A uh, hundred. Put me in front of the, a sold out MSG. I'll fucking I'll hold it down. Put me in a basement <laughs> looking at three people in the face. Yo, some people, yeah. some people truly fall apart. I think I shine in those places because I become like crowd work guy. You know what I mean? Which obviously not everybody likes, but it, mm. it's a uh, it, especially when there's three people and they're like, I I can't leave. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Now I'm. Just, I can't walk out now. Yeah, now I'm just a subject to this uh, person uh, trying to entertain the other two um but uh, but yeah i i think that there's you know I, I i don't want to give old man advice but if if you are in one of those bands that hasn't played in front of more than 20 people in your life and and uh you know sometimes it's possible that you suck and you'll always suck but i i think it's better advice to just continue doing what you're doing and right if you uh, enjoy it do it yeah, oh yeah Fuck for it. sure uh but I, I i really feel like you know, again, if I'm good on stage and I think I am, but if, if other people feel that way, understand it's from, it's from playing those shows, you know? So, uh, by the way, I just want to, uh, uh, demon, demonym is the word I was looking for earlier, uh, which is, Oh, thank you. The D word. Yeah. Demonym is, uh, what you call people. It's what you call people from a place, right? It's, it's the word for, for the people from a place. Uh, so New Yorker, for example, but mm. uh, Brooklyn, Brooklynite, uh, but the Perth Patroon, Anthony, Patroon, yes, the the uh, orange uh, Fort Orange uh, Defender. Uh, so the actual answer uh, is uh, Sand Groper uh, for wow. for Perth person. Put Perthson as a uh, on the ballot next year. I think we win. Uh, there, there, well, there's there's also Perthling, uh, but. Uh, Perthling could be a good person. There's Perthson, uh, which is not a real one. There's, uh, but is good. I'll put in the mix. There's, uh, there's Perthian, which I do not think is that good. There's Perthin, uh, or no, Perth, uh, there's Perthite. What about Perthian? Perthian. Uh, Perthian. Like that, not, not Perthian, Perthian. Right. There's, and then there's there's Perthite, but Sandgroper is actually uh, popular as a informal. It's, mm. uh, uh, if you were curious, a sand groper is, uh, an insect, uh, that I think might only be Western Australian. It's disgusting. You wouldn't want to be compared to one at all. They're very disgusting looking at beans, but, um, yeah. Well, so, so that was our, that was our love sonnet to the DIY venue. Uh, you've heard my plea, just go out and make it happen. DIY venues are, are not just necessary, but like vital. And it, it is one of the s- distinguishing features of a music scene, in my opinion, I, I, there's a lot of things in these like amorphous, like what is hardcore and what isn't hardcore. Um, and I'm not saying that all music venues only play hardcore bands that play DIY venues are all hardcore. That's certainly, certainly far from the truth, but, um, a distinguishing part of hardcore has always been this adherence to at least having the open mind to playing an alternate venue space. And, you know, partially for a lot of reasons. Having this connection. Yeah, no, no barriers, you know, uh, whether there is a physical one or not, but like this idea of uh, uh, band and audience are not separated by a platform. It, it is to be one. It is a, a oneness that is interesting and curious. I mean, your so. co-worker's new metal band is not going to be able to do a weekend of shows at VFW Halls. True. God, I hope not. They're selling oh. tickets to open for fucking trapped or something yep Jeez. pay to play for trap that's a hell that's like the eighth ring of hell jesus um seriously so <clears throat> that parlays into a conversation i've been meaning to have with both of you 
that that we have that we're kind of circling to. We've talked about the term adjacent, hardcore adjacent. Talked about that term for a long time. Shout out to Peter Rosenberg, who we stole it from, the term adjacent. Mm-hmm. Shout out to everybody who uses it. It's cool. It's a fun thing. I'm going to ask the question first, and then we can expand, but I think you'll both get what I'm asking, but I'm happy to elaborate. Is the term hardcore adjacent just kid gloves for a saying, this is not a hardcore band? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think, I, well. It's a nice way of saying it. Probably depends on who's saying it, honestly. Well, and we never, uh, I'll speak for myself, and I think you guys are on the same page. I don't think we've ever used it in a derogatory way. We never said it in a way to to, to diminish, no, maybe to distinguish. Rally. Right, right, to distinguish. Right, he, he, he yeah, we, we the adjacent thing kind of came from that Uncanny Valley terminology, which I really liked. Um, this idea that hardcore adjacent stuff, which I mean, right, like spades a spade. Drug Church is an adjacent band. Fact. Fact. <clears throat> do hardcore adjacent bands operate in the same way as hardcore bands do? My answer is no. Um, well, I don't know. In 2020, 2022, there might, there might be significant overlap there. There are some blurred lines. That's right. And that's, that, that's getting to the crux of the next piece of this conversation. Ooh. Ooh. Hardcore adjacent bands, I don't think... I would not bind them to these like any sort of ethos or morality or any kind, you know, morality is not the right word, but ethos or kind of the, the long played keep hardcore in the streets and out of big business. The adjacent world doesn't seem to have a problem playing with big business. Does that mean the hardcore world should have a problem playing with big business? Not the band who is actually pretty good and people should check them out. Yep. Uh, no, it's a personal decision. I mean, look, like, uh, here's what I've learned. You can put it on your back to be Mr. Hardcore if you want. Uh, it doesn't actually need your help. There's always going to be basements. There's always going to be, uh, so like a thing that irritates me is when somebody is, is, uh, peacocking, you know, what they call virtue signal. And when somebody's peacocking, uh, but the effect is not clear. It's like you're just doing it to do it for your to, to put some clout on your back, right? So, like, what is the effect of being Mister Hardcore? Like being the most hardcore. What is the effect? Like, you think that you're you're what preserving a culture because you're not because it doesn't need you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and furthermore, every Mister Hardcore I ever met in my goddamn life, every fucking like. Uh, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm doing it for the scene sort of motherfucker. That guy always leaves too. I've outlived all of them. You know what I mean? I have, I have a thought for you. Hit here. me. This isn't about that. Actually, yeah. I'm going to say, actually, let me, because I was going to say, I, hold on, go so ahead. nobody, so nobody misunderstands me. Mr. Hardcore is a vague term. I'm not actually talking about Joe who actually has been around fucking forever. So yeah, 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 not, yeah, not talking no, about you're, you're no. saying the, the, yeah. Norman yes, Corman. Correct. Yeah. yeah Norman yes. Corman. Mr. I'm just, Cor- about, Mr. I'm just Cor- talking about the guy who fucking puts it on his back to be like, this, this is, uh, I'm saving the scene. Yeah. I'm saving the scene. And, and they invariably what about become a DJ? Right. Uh, well, so here's 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 my pushback to you. Um, 
I'm not sure that they all disappear, and I don't think you dislike all of them. Because we've seen examples of the person who puts it up front, the the contrarian, the pushback, who who sticks around. Um, and we've seen it. You there's know? two and, there's two uh, people that stick around people that love hardcore and fucking losers and it and it's like the, the, there's the, the people that it's been my experience almost to a man that the person that would seek to lecture me bows out well before I do and it's just I find it so annoying that I I almost like you can tell my patience is I I apologize I know you have a point here but you can tell that my patience is just so fucking like thin no, no, for this I get it. To, for this particular individual, because it's like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need you. Like there is always going to be a basement scene. There will always be a small club scene and there will, and all the anxieties that people have about like, for example, live nation. Hey, I fucking hear you. Sometimes I do not like the experience, but well, and, and that is the, so, so these, these things are common enough now that I can talk about it without somebody being able to like pinpoint or triangulate. Cause I don't want to throw, throw any names out there, but somebody hit me. It was they were doing a collaboration with a big brand thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, Whatever thing it is. Sure. And you know, we laughed. I was like, "Ah, it's kind of crazy." And they're like, "Yeah, it's fucking sell out." You know? And he's like, "You know, it's kind of weird though. It feels weird that no one's giving us any shit. No one's uh, giving us any pushback." I was like, "Yeah, it is kind of weird." And it wasn't that we don't think that anyone out there in a basement somewhere isn't, you know, like, fuck that shit, that corporate rock bullshit, whatever. But it was that it wasn't even a loud enough voice or murmur that it got back to them, you know, about their band or, you know, event or whatever it was. Um, and the thing they were doing, it was like, oh, that's weird. We expected at least some dissent and got none. And that is an interesting thing that I wonder in an age where we're seeing bands do collaborations with beer companies. Um, <laughs> right. if, clothing uh, companies, like bigger clothing companies. So many. Um, so I, I wonder about that because I don't disagree with any of this at all. I think that there's always going to be someone who comes out. I, I think that music, particularly hardcore is really reactionary. It's really responsive. Something pushes like this and this, you get the pushback to this. And it, it's secular. You see all these things. Right. Those voices are quieter though. Are we passing through some sort of threshold? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, think about what we talked about with Strife, right? Yeah. Strife asked for a thousand bucks. Yep. And they <sighs> draw like four to 500 people everywhere. Yep. Like, like contacts for everyone. Like, yeah, context for everyone. Strife was the band that kids in my high school who didn't really like hardcore liked. Yep, like they were I mean, the they one were of the few huge. that tr- tr- transcended. Yes. So them asking for a thousand dollars completely wasn't completely reasonable. People came out with shirts. Yep. Uh, for because they had a guarantee. The like now I feel like younger folks. It's kind of like, you know, fucking get that. You know whatever paps get that supreme money like you know like or get whatever whoever you're being able to collaborate with no one there are people that take offense to it but those folks like it used to be like the 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 ratio has changed listen it went from like 80 20 to 20 80 
I just I just tried out these these headphones that I told you about that have the, the you know they just mm, play full the volume. goodies. Yeah, I, I tried them out in the studio watching the uh, Turnstile Taco Bell commercial. Like, so it, it's uh, people don't care, and you it, could really hear that crunch. Yeah, well, uh, it, it's nacho fries. It, it's uh, here's the thing, and I think that this is a difficult conversation for a lot of reasons. But here's the number one: is a lot of times when people are airing their grievances with somebody's cho- somebody else's choices, uh, I, I won't say it's jealousy because you don't know, you know, I can't always determine what people want, but I will say that there is just some, some baseline hateration that manifests uh, out of a lot of people. And Talk about Mary J. Blige. Uh, yeah, there's 100%. She can smell that hateration and it, it, it's, and it's dancery. It, it's it's uh, so it's a tough thing because what if you have a valid uh, complaint or valid you know just an opinion, and it's I think a lot of people are scared to uh, air that stuff anyway because they don't want to appear as a hater. Because certainly when I see the people on Twitter taking shots at at certain shit, you, you've seen the tide is starting to turn on these big festivals, you know, uh, and. Uh, I saw people uh, shitting on those big festivals and it reads like hater shit. And here's the reason I don't go to those big festivals unless I'm playing them. And I don't expect you to, I don't, I don't care honestly, but for a lot of particularly the older bands, um, a lot of you don't go to their shows and this is how they, but you love them on a festival for some reason and and this is how they make their money and to be mad at these festivals for being uncool when it's like when you are not attending the shows from these bands that you think are lowering themselves for playing these shows uh playing these festivals is magical thinking do you know what i'm saying it's just stupid so you you read as a hater and uh I, I don't know. I, I just, th- I feel that this is uh, a topic that is mostly dead and in the places that it is still alive or will pop up every once in a while, I think it's uh, muted by the fact that people don't want to look like quote unquote that guy, you know? So it's a difficult thing to, to talk about period. Well, so, so to me, I agree. I think it's, it's good because a lot of times when you're being that guy, it fucking sucks. It's like lame shit and you're caring about something that you, to be honest, you shouldn't care about your, your commentary on the festival thing is exactly right. You wouldn't catch me. I, I, yo, when I was 18, 19, 20, I can't tell you how excited I was to go to a 30 plus band hardcore festival. I was so excited. You know why? Cause I had the, mood time and interest for it then i did it for many years and did it and you know what now less so doesn't mean i didn't have a good time when we were all out at sound and fury that was super fun super fun that was a blast super fun but i didn't i didn't see every band who played i it probably would have been nice to see more but it was cool i i enjoyed it at the level i enjoyed it and really that's what i ask of adults and to not take away the joy from others that said the flip side of this coin is are we losing people 
speaking passionately about things they really enjoy and care about out of fear of perception of being lame for expressing things they love. Sure. Sure. Uh, And I think think people are afraid of misspeaking. Oh yeah. And uh, it's a weird era where people don't want to get caught on the record. You know what I mean? And look for, for somewhat good reason. I asked a question in our group chat. uh, Hey, is hardcore uh, uh, suffering from the fact that it's attempting to look too mature, that it's not willing to get into the weeds on young people, bullshit idiocy. And Bob immediately sent me an example of a kid online acting like a fucking moron and saying, no, yeah, the conversation stopped fine. right there. <laughs> I think we're fine. And, but the, here's the thing is that, you know, mm-hmm. since the message board era and on, it's possible to develop a reputation that, that, uh, you cannot escape. And if you are, uh, that dude that's jumping out people, look, if you, <laughs> if you were like, against turnstile going to Israel a few years ago. It's like, you know, now somebody could just pop that out when you're going to the turnstile show. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if you're like, if you were like the The receipts are everywhere. Yes. If you were the big hater, right. They could break it out. Like you voted for the Iraq war. You know what I mean? They're they're like, they're like, here you go. Look at this. And when you said, yay. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a problem. It's, it's a, people are afraid to be caught on record. People are afraid of, looking embarrassing. Uh, I think there'll be some pushback to that. I think there'll be like young people that are like, Hey, look, uh, actually nothing matters. My mom's got an only fans and I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it is a different moment. It's a different era. We're all caught on forever on the internet. And now I'm going to, I'm going to y- YOLO this yeah. shit. Who gives Did you fuck? see that video of the dude squeezing a bot fly out of his face? Yeah. It's crazy shit, dude. Um, oh my God. <sighs> yeah, that's gonna super. lose Twitter, though. I hate that. Um, super, super gross, dude. Um, I, I, well, I, it's it's the it's the food for thought shit um, that is uh, is disaffect being disaffected and kind of realizing how trivial a lot of stuff is. Does it minimize uh, people's willingness to express passion and express things they enjoy and do so in a Man, maybe earnest is the wrong word, but I'm going to use it way um, without fear. Like you both have pointed at fear of it being held against you and being like, yo, remember this motherfucker took th- something a little too serious. I get it. And and I'm not talking about, you know, allegations. I'm not talking about. No, no. Accusations. I'm talking about somebody feeling like. Yo, I don't like that this band did this 99.9% of the time. Who gives a fuck? Well, also, uh, I'm going to say... Five years later, no one even remembers that situation happened. Like some trivial bullshit. But I think those moments when someone... Cares, you know, sick of it all, born against debate. What the oh. fuck were they arguing about? <laughs> what? That's gibberish. Not gibberish. having the record, the lyrics, lyric sheet. Well, the lyric sheet was like was gibberish, uh, right? Gibberish, like right. something. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but that but moment that was of passion still- stimulated yeah. interest in a band that was, you know, slightly above average. Born against. <laughs> so, but, I mean, could you imagine? though, but back then, they had the privilege of like this was the biggest thing in their lives. Yeah. Right. Like Sam McFeeders could not think of something else more important than oh, that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, that's. But now everyone knows everything. 
So like you'd be remiss to be like, I'm, you know, I'm arguing with sick of it all in in WNYU right now while, you know, fucking this is happening here. Someone else is dying over here. Who's, you know, like we're overloaded with information that the trivial shit seems that much more trivial. Uh, at the show last night, I'm in, I'm in Perth, Australia, which it's not like a fucking it's not like a, a, a outpost 31 from fucking uh, uh, the, the thing. But it's you know, it's the furthest fucking city from anywhere. And people are talking about uh, citizens arrest. Oh, isn't the one guy in the in that band kind of MAGA now? You know what I mean? Like the, oh, I'm on the other right. side of the fucking planet. I know. Right. Meanwhile, 1993, most people couldn't pick the dude. Like, if you weren't a Citizens Rest fan, you couldn't pick anybody out of a lineup. No chance. No chance. Well, NYU kills fucking monkeys, and they fucking know it. 